As entrepreneurs, we see the world differently. In a world that not only tolerates but promotes mediocrity, we unreasonably demand more. Giving you access to the world's most successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders, this podcast uncovers the untold truths of what it really takes to build a multi-million dollar business while optimizing your personal performance in every area of your life. I'm Jack DeLosa. Let's get to work. Alrighty team, welcome to the first episode of the Entrepreneur's Recession Response Program. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of the heart of everybody at Entourage, from the bottom of my heart of Justin Dryer, who has been kind enough to join us today, a huge well done on getting here and a huge welcome. In times of unprecedented change and unprecedented challenge, um, we need to remember that what the world is going through right now is first and foremost a health crisis. And our number one objective as human beings who are all so deeply interconnected, needs to be uh, to protect and look after those who are vulnerable and at risk of any health consequences that the current crisis demonstrates. Across the world, a lot of people and an increasing amount of people are rightfully asking themselves, uh, given that this is a health crisis, what are the economic impacts at large? What are the commercial impacts? How do I navigate this period as a business owner? What does this mean for me as a person? What does it mean for me as a human? What does it mean for us at a society level? And in answering those questions, we're forcing ourselves to develop answers and develop new ways of thinking and develop elevated ways of being. Um, you know, the most challenging period of my life happened in 2016, where after growing 100% year on year in business since, you know, founding the Entourage in 2010, we entered the government accreditation uh, program delivering advanced diplomas and diplomas for entrepreneurs linked to government funding. And long story short, after the government pulled the funding with three months notice from the industry, we were three months away from a monthly loss of $800,000. We needed to go from a team of 90 down to a team of 40. We needed to redevelop our business model. We had no product suite that was going to come, uh, you know, extend beyond three months. Uh, and we weren't in a healthy cash position because a lot of the changes had been going on for so long in that particular space. We were in millions and millions and millions of dollars in debt and has begun the most difficult 18 months of my life. What the Entrepreneur's Recession Response Program is about me bringing all of my battle-tested, hard-earned experience to the table, but also reaching out to my network of some of the best business minds in the world so that we can talk to people who are battle-tested, people that have real experience and people that have persevered and come out on top. What were the lessons they learned through their most challenging periods? What were the lessons they learned through adversity? Um, and what can we draw on as human beings, not just business owners, but as human beings to help each of us as individuals navigate this period and help each of us collectively to navigate this period? I am so incredibly grateful uh, that our first guest today is the Mr. Justin Dry, who's been a long-term friend of mine, a long-term supporter of the Entourage. Um, with the Vino that I buy from Vino Mofo, I suppose I've been a long-term supporter of Vino Mofo as well. Um, but for those of you that don't know Justin, uh, aside from being an exceptional human being with an incredibly big heart and somebody who's truly humble and truly cares, uh, Justin is the founder and CEO of Vino Mofo. He's built it from zero to 50 million uh, in revenue. He's got a team of over 100 people across three countries. This guy is a serious entrepreneur that has been through some serious highs and some serious lows. And he's here today to have a discussion with me as we reflect on how we have navigated challenge both personally and commercially such that we can offer you guys some light in times where most of what we're seeing is darkness. Mr. Justin Dry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, mate. Good to see you. Um, you too, mate. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen the view from your apartment. I can see the Sydney Harbour Bridge right there. Yeah, correct. Oh, can you nice. see it through Zoom or which camera can you see? I can see it through Zoom. There you go. I can see it through Zoom. That's nice. Yeah. I haven't been there, mate. Waiting for my invite. 100%. Well, our social gatherings have certainly diminished. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Absolute love and beauty and joy. Matisse has shown up. How's, uh, how's the last three months of fatherhood treated you? Oh, it's incredible, actually. You know, the, um, as everyone would know, as a parent, kind of completely changes everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which camera they look at. Jack, I've got, I've got your face Look everywhere. Insta. Insta's good. Uh, Insta. Insta. Insta's good, man. Thank you. Insta. All right. Cool. Um, 
hello to everyone that's saying hello. Uh, uh, yeah, amazing, amazing, Com uh, complete change of life. Um, no one can ever prepare you for it, even though you get lots of advice beforehand and they say, you know, there's going to be lack of sleep um, and it's going to challenge you. And then what you realize is um, you just can't prepare for it because it literally is um, very, very, very challenging, but also the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. Um, so yeah, very happy. And she's been a remarkably good sleeper. Um, oh, wow. And then she goes through moments, um, like a couple of days here and there where it's like, I don't know, I'll get into it, like the devil child. And she's uh, up every, she's up every like 20 minutes. And I can see her just <laughs> over there. She's the uh, entrepreneurial rebellion of her father. Sorry? That's when she invokes the entrepreneurial rebellion of her father. Yeah, look, I think she's going to be a real character already. I think she's <laughs> almost four months old and she's, she's so determined. Like, and she knows she's playing me. She's manipulative. Um, she's completely playing me every day. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, she, and she just laughs. She, she laughs at me. I can see it. She looks at me. She plays like she's like, I don't want to go to bed yet. I'll just cry. And then as soon as she sees me, she's like, see, I got you, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> she's got daddy wrapped around her little finger. Yeah, exactly. So That's good. amazing. So good. That's awesome, man. And huge love to both Matisse and Asher. It's, um, it's amazing to see you guys build a family and, and, and to do it so well. Mate, let's talk about the, the, the current environment and everything that's going on in the world. If we really start at the top here, how are you seeing the current... Um, ecosystem how are you viewing the current crisis at a high level what's going on in your heart what's going on in your mind uh look i think it's i'm at a place you look our our business i mean it's completely changed the way we operate um you know in a matter of days it went from oh this thing might be you know coming in might be really serious to yeah holy shit this is really really serious to uh, ever escalating um, and there's just so much information out there and you got to choose who you're listening to to actually get the kind of accurate information. Everyone seems to be an expert and I'm not going to claim to be. Um, and so I just listened to a couple of the kind of main sources. And um, in terms of work, though, it's been crazy. So we had to fast track a whole bunch of dev to um, get our uh, phone teams working from home. So we, we went from a, another phone system to um, uh, to a new one, which allowed our all our team to kind of work from home. Outside of the phone team, which took like, you know, four or five days to kind of build that out, which got an amazing engineering team and they did that um, super fast for us. There's Matisse crying in the background. Um, and, uh, but everyone else was working from home. So the first thing we kind of got uh, on top of was like obviously social distancing, uh, posts up on the wall, lots of hand sanitizer, lots of kind of communication open to the team about this is what, um, this is what we're thinking, experiencing. This is how best to deal with it in our mind. We're getting expert advice in. We've got, um, you know, we've got services that are available to our team to be able to talk to people if they're feeling anxious because there's a whole lot, I'm sure you've witnessed this as well, there's a whole lot of anxiety um, in the world and it's triggering, um, it's triggering kind of uh, people that had little bits of anxiety kind of popping up in their life to like almost fully blown. So you've got that, um, you've got that part of it as well. You've got like uh, mental health, um, challenges it's and you've got working from home for everyone you've got changing tech you've got changing um, like surge demand um, in some uh, industries like you know people are obviously toilet papers one of them <laughs> um, and uh, and wine wine is actually another people are um, we've seen a real surge in wine sales as people I think you know two reasons one you don't know where this is going to go in terms of what they're locking down completely um, and second, people are, are spending more time at home away from restaurants and bars and clubs and they still want to drink good wine. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like, I, and I feel that then, like I, which is good for our business, um, it's challenging through all the things we need to do. Yeah. But then I, I feel like conflicted because at the same time, I've got a whole bunch of really great friends and family that have lost their businesses overnight. Um, and, you know, and these are really, really, close to me these people and I and I see the pain that they're going through um, and it's completely changed their life um, right now and so it's yes yeah, so I'm, I'm in a weird place I'm not really sure like it's completely changed the way we operate uh, but it's and it's and it but it's increased the number of sales quite dramatically for my business um, and then on the other side I've got all these people that I deeply care about hurting like you wouldn't believe um, and so I don't know it's it's a weird place to be 
I love how you put that, mate. And, and thank you for being so honest about what's going on for you and feeling so conflicted. But I, I love what you said in terms of, you know, it went from being a, we might need to consider this to being, okay, this is going to be a thing to this is now, you know, a global um, pandemic and a global economic uh, crisis that it could be more fast spread than what we've ever seen before. You know, I was talking to my partner, Tiff, just a couple of days ago, saying it was only just over two weeks ago, we were in Perth, we we're spending a week in Perth, uh, ahead of a, an, an event I was running there. And my board, one of my board members, a guy called Stuart Cook, who took Zambrero from two stores to a hundred stores, a very accomplished CEO and investor, uh, reached out and said, you know, I think we might need to put a plan in place around coronavirus and everything that's happening there. I was like, oh, okay, you know, I just, you know, I, I was across, I was across at that point. It was the beginning of the wave. And I thought, okay, you know, I, I understand the, the health tragedy of it, but, thinking about navigating it from a business perspective, I find that to be in, bit intellectually interesting. So completely up for that, let's do it. And then within two days, it was like, no, no, this is a real thing. And then two days later, it's like, okay, this is getting bigger than that. Oh, we, we sit here today and we just don't know how fast-stretching it's going to be. JD, yeah. one of the things I'd like to do is sort of talk about, you know, and hone in on what's been the most challenging period of your career um, and, and through discussion sort of explore how you navigated that. Um, while also drawing on, you know, um, 2016 and other challenges that I've navigated and, and, and hopefully giving people that are watching, you know, some real guidance on every level, be it commercial, emotional, personal, societal, around how to best navigate challenge and adversity for those that are being deeply impacted. And so, mate, if we start at the top, what, what has been the most challenging period of your career? I know there's been a couple of, couple of road bumps. Uh, yeah, look, the, the, the one that stands out, the one I've talked about um, to you uh, before personally and probably um, with your community a little bit, but I'll um, touch on it again. It was um, back when I was, I mean, I, I, long story short is like I was in the wine industry from really young age um, and uh, start, ended up, you know, uncles and whatever were in the industry and wrote you know, some of the textbooks I studied at uni and I was in the industry uh, post-university as well. Um, and then I went and did a couple of other things, not sure whether it was like, you know, a passion or profession, this wine game. And um, and I was always like super entrepreneurial as a kid. Like I started my first when I was 10. Um, then I did another one at like 14. And like and then I've had, I don't know how many businesses in my life, but a lot. Um, and when I was about 23, I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to get um, like live and breathe wine for the rest of my life, whether it's just one of those things I'm so passionate about and maybe it's not like something that I want to be a professional at. Um, I want to go and uh, try something else. I want to start another business. Uh, so I left the wine game at 23, went in, became a stockbroker. Um, I was trading shares right about that kind of tech boom, um, kind of late 90s. So everything I touched turned to gold, which was nice. Um, I was there in the early 2000s when it all crashed down too. So um, I didn't look as smart on the way down. Um, but, uh, but I did enjoy it and I was interested in the tech side um, and it was something that I'd been interested in since I was a kid. So I mean, it was good to kind of test it out. Uh, I left that when all the screens were red uh, back then. I'm not sure if it's how they operate these days, but I had a computer screen. It was an old big, large desktop and it was just green and red for the ones that were going up and down. And I, could, I was the first gen of being able to trade online, um, which was super cool. And um, anyway, so I left that when everything was red and I was like, this is not fun anymore and went and did property development, built, did a couple of property developments um, and I convinced you know, a, a guy to... Um, sell me some land with very little money down, or actually no money down. Um, I had about 20 grand in the bank. I bought two big parcels of land and um, with no money down, and I used a little bit of money I had to um, pay for some planning drawings being done. Um, lodged those for council, got them approved, pre-sold the first lot through an agent with no money down and no marketing. Um, did a land and build, sold 15 of them, made a lot of money. Um, then I did the next lot, which was 28 houses the next year and made all this, I was, I was making good money for a while there. And, um, so there I was at like, I think it's 26, no, mm. 26, 27, mm. uh, with lots of money. And I was thinking mm. this game's pretty easy. Um, and, uh, and was, you know, had the cars and the houses and the travel and all the stuff that you, that you do and you spend your money on when you're young and silly. And, um, uh, and then, uh, something happened, uh, a family member um, got into some financial strife 
asked me to go guarantor or one of, using one of my companies to go guarantor because I had about six properties in it. Um, and I, you know, it was one of those decisions that I, in my head I knew it was wrong, but in my heart I wanted to do it. Um, and uh, I ended up saying, look, I wouldn't do it personally, but I'd do it through a company that had these assets in it and that should get them through because I wanted to bet on them um, to succeed. Uh, fast forward um, a couple of weeks, the banks got the docs up uh, and the docs uh, list, listed me personally. Um, and I, I just kind of like, well, hold on, we didn't agree on this. And they said, oh, God, sorry, sorry, it was a, that's our mistake, that's our issue, we'll get them redrawn. Uh, and it will just take two weeks and we'll be ready. But the problem was it was only about 48 hours until they were going to push the button um, on um, uh, on the other person. And I was kind of, so I had to make a decision in that moment, did I risk everything personally and give, um, give this mm. person who I deeply an opportunity to get through it or do I wait two weeks and let them fold and so I decided to go with my heart which was a very silly decision at the time um, and I signed and then four weeks later it all came tumbling down mm. um, and I lost everything so I you know absolutely everything because it was in my personal name um, I lost everything um, and it all kind of piled on top of each other and by the end of that I was um, I'd gone from having all the houses and the cars and the travel and the money and the fun to um, the last moment was walking out of my own house um, uh, as the bank had sold her out from underneath me and saying goodbye to that house. And that was kind of one of those really, it was, I remember the day so well because you know, everything else had gone. Like I'd handed back the car, the other houses had been sold, you know, and for like ridiculously cheap prices because it was in that moment where, you know, people were out looking for bargains and um, so which was, pretty painful to watch but there I was the last thing I had was a scooter because <laughs> it was because it was worth nothing so that was my transport um, and then this house and then that on the day of the settlement um, the uh, oh sorry the day I had to leave so post the sale um, I was saying goodbye to this house and it meant so much to me because when I was a kid I came in and I came up in an entrepreneurial family and I saw the highs and lows and um, when I was 12 the family lost um, the family house as well so like I'd seen that and I'd seen it go down within my family so I but you know positively out of that it probably um, was one of the major drivers for me to never have that issue again for my family mm -hmm. so that's what probably got me the motivation to do all that stuff. And then in the end, um, through no fault of my own, apart from the stupidity of signing a contract that I knew I shouldn't have, um, it all came tumbling down again. And so there I was saying goodbye to my house and, you know, it, this thing, these things, when they, when they happen, they don't happen quickly. It's like a pretty extended process of selling all your shit um, and getting to the point of, you know, finally leaving the last one. And so having uh, gone through all of that, uh, I was saying goodbye and I was probably living a pretty average life in terms of health. You know, I was probably partying too much. I wasn't looking after myself in terms of exercise. I was just trying to kind of get into the escapism um, that um, uh, that would get me away from thinking about my current situation because um, I was, you know, I think I was almost 30 by then um, and having lived such a high life and to go down so low, um, I was living this life that wasn't probably healthy. And so here I was, unhealthy, miserable, really challenged every day emotionally, saying goodbye to the one thing that probably meant the most to me, uh, in, you know, to have this first home, which felt, felt really special to buy. Um, and then I was about to jump on this bloody scooter, which was the only other thing I did have left. Um, so I'm walking through the house, saying goodbye to each bloody room. And, um, and I get to the final room, which is my bedroom, all the furniture's gone. And uh, I get to my final uh, room, which is the bedroom. And all that's left in that room is uh, a wardrobe with a mirror. Um, so I'm turning around, I'm saying goodbye, and uh, I see myself in the mirror. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's not a good look. Um, I, was not, I was not looking very good at that stage, and I was like, oh, wow, this is where I've got to. Uh, and I remember when I looked in the mirror about this exercise that um, I'd done at, I think it was a Tony Robbins course. Um, you know, say what you will about the man. There's, you know, take what you will from it. There's some really good stuff and some stuff that, you know, may not fit with um, how you feel about the world. But uh, one of those things was, I can't remember what it's called and I never can and I should look it up, but it's like some kind of man in the mirror exercise or well, that might be the poem that he read. But um, the, the thing is you look into a mirror, you imagine yourself uh, living the life that you're currently living 
um, right now in one, three, five, 10, 20 years. Um, and so I did that and then you reverse it and you do it if you changed and uh, made better decisions and what that would look like in the same kind of time period. So I did that exercise and, you know, living such an unhealthy life in one year, you know, in front of the mirror, you're like starting to get smaller. Um, then three years, five years, it starts getting really heavy. You start getting really small and feeling awful. By the time you've got to 20 years, you're like a ball on the ground and crying. You know, that's how bad it is because I was in pretty bad shape and to then go to that degree, wow, incredible. Uh, and so then you go, whoop, reverse it up and you go, all right, so if I make good decisions and I get back in the game and I do all the things you need to do mentally, like meditation, exercise, um, reading the right kind of statements in the morning, thinking about where you actually want to go and having a plan and taking a step by step, all those things that you do. And uh, so I did that. And so one year and then I'm like up, I'm like, and then three years I'm getting even better. And like, you know, five and 10, you know, my head's up, my shoulders are back, you know, I'm feeling amazing. Um, and so there, uh, by 20, I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this. Let's take on the world. I'm rushing out of the house. And um, then I see my scooter. I'm like, yes, cool. Um, I'm gonna, and then another, another lesson that we, another kind of trick was to pretend you were wearing a Superman cap, um, which is it, make, it changes the way you walk and the way you stand. And when you do that, it changes completely how you feel. And so I was like, great. So I'm like running out of the house, like happy as I could be, wearing a Superman cap. Um, and jump on a scooter and I'm like, I'm going to take on the world. And off I go on my scooter. Um, I pull up at some traffic lights. Um, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, uh, and, uh, pull up to traffic lights. It's upside me. It's got like a family in it and a little kid in the back. And he, he turns around, points to me and chats to his parents. <laughs> it's like, as I'm getting drenched on my scooter, no assets, just left the house. I'm like, this is my lowest point. <laughs> I'm like, all right, everything's got to be up from here. Um, and so that was, that was <laughs> good decision. That, yeah, that was my moment. And that was the start of, I guess, me getting back on, uh, back in the game. And uh, over the next uh, four or five years, I launched four other businesses um, online. Um, and uh, uh, the fourth one was VinaMofo. Right. Wow. Man, I don't know if we've ever gone into this that deeply. There are so many parallels between yours and my story. So when I was, uh, I don't know, seven, eight, nine or whatever, my, my um, parents run a not-for-profit organisation called Breaking the Cycle, right? So they take long-term unemployed youth, like youth at risk off the street. They put them through programs and then put them into employment. They were the best what they did in the country. The government then pulled the funding from, from they were not for profit. So the government pulled the funding. They had no more funding. And so the organization collapsed. We lost our family home. We lost everything, sell the cars, sell everything, lose everything. Right. And so at the age of, I don't know, eight or nine or 10, that was, uh, that was my reality. It was like complete financial and economic ruin and, and seeing the, the impact that had on the family and, couple of years later mum and dad separated and so it was the beginning of a lot of splintering and inevitably given it's such a developmental period when you're young inevitably that you, you carry that with you and so you you had a similar thing and then you know you, you lost your house around you know just before you were 30 so my dad ran a company my mum and dad ran a company that had government money pulled from them and that's exactly what happened with Entourage in 2016. I went into accredited education, which, uh, which enables students to access government funding. And then the government stopped paying everybody for six months. And so for us, that was a cash lag of about six million bucks. And then they pulled the funding with three months notice on the industry. Um, and so we're three months away from a monthly loss of 800 grand. And I so much of my drive was coming from my dad's, my mum and dad's organization was called breaking the cycle. And I was like, I need to break this cycle in my family of the government making really rash, irrational, unintelligent decisions and destroying beautiful organizations. And so for me, it was like failure wasn't an option. I wasn't going to let that happen again. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and that's where so much of my fight and so much of my, uh, will I think came from was just didn't want to go through that again. Yeah, it's um it's incredibly powerful, to, um, incredibly powerful experience. You wouldn't wish it on anyone, exactly. but it's also one of those things that has um, influenced me so much in everything I've done. And you know, ask my wife, and she'd say sometimes not 
like great things have come yeah. from that. And, yeah. Um, but a lot of good stuff has, you know, like yeah. um, my drive, no one will outwork me, you know, like I, like I will work hard and yeah. I will do whatever it takes in terms of energy and effort to get it done. Um, so that's come from that because I've just got that in me because of that experience, I think. I'm not sure if it was in my DNA or whether that's just me going, nah, I'm not letting that happen. But um, it's definitely influenced me in a good way. There's other things around that in terms of like if that I wouldn't say is a super positive thing in like in the sense that like I do, um, uh, I do find it, uh, challenging when people don't work for it, you know, like I, I am quite judgmental when people want it easy um, or when I perceive them to want it easy. Uh, so that's probably, <laughs> my wife would probably tell you that that's one of those things that really bug, bugs me, yeah, but that's, yeah. that's I mean, that's not such a bad I thing. never got it easy, you know. 100%. And I mean, in, in my introductions, I, I, I mentioned, you know, one of the things, one of the things, because there are many, but one of the things that I, I love most about you is you, you, there is a genuine humility to who you are. It's not a, it's not a false humility for the sake of, pretending to be humble you are a genuinely feet on the ground humble person and how i kind of view those sorts of things is i think when people when, when it comes easy people can start to build a, a sort of false sense of superiority and a bit of an arrogance and all that sort of stuff whereas what i often yeah. kind of observe in, in super successful people that have had a couple of knocks along the way and and, and, and maybe had a bit of adversity in their childhood and all of that sort of stuff. There is a genuine humility there. Uh, and if anything, I think that adds to their success later in life. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, sorry, I, I lost you a little bit there for a second. I think my earphones might be playing up, unfortunately. Um, but my, my, my next question was, when so you're sort of coming up to 30 you, you've 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 got all of the money and 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 you know in your late 20s i so for me because at the same time late 20s there was a huge sense of arrogance because it had come easy to me up until then and so i imagine that might have been the same in your world you know i can imagine you know late 20s lots of money probably a bit of partying probably you know um maybe a bit of arrogance this is all just stuff I'm assuming by the way but and then and then you lose everything and and and, it, and there's a complete destruction of everything that you've built and even a complete destruction of self-identity uh, that can often be so tied up in success particularly at that age what was the most challenging part of the fall for you hmm what was the most challenging part of the fall uh, honestly um Look, I think probably the hardest thing to deal with was a sense of um, like my by sense of like self-worth in that moment. Um, and probably, you know, uh, I think our judgment um, or how we perceive ourselves in the eyes of others, you know, you forget that when you're older, like you just, you don't really care as much um, when you've gone through stuff. Like I, I just don't, cause you know, like it's all nice and well when everything's uh, lovely and people are saying nice things about you, but we all have to go through periods of time when they're not going to. Um, if you've got any level of success, you're just going to face it. So that's the things. Um, so if you get caught up too much and it, it can influence you and in, um, too much um, for the mm. negative as well. So mm. um, I think probably when I was younger and I'd had all that, you know, I, I didn't, I was still, to be honest, I, uh, I think I was still reasonably humble in my 20s because of the shit I saw when I was a kid and how much that impacted me. But I did have a tremendous amount of drive at it. What I did think that I got a little bit cocky on was how easy you could get success. Yeah. Because I was like, no, you know, this actually wasn't that hard. I just did this and this and this and look at me now. Um, and uh, then losing it all and then having, you know, two or three ventures that didn't work out as planned. Um, that That's very levelling. <laughs> yeah. It's very, yeah. very levelling. Um, yeah. And so I know also, and for how many people I know that have done so well uh, in their lives, and I'm sure you know a heap of them too, it wasn't their first first rodeo. Like it's like they have had so many different businesses and challenges. And so it's just not one of those things that happens, you know, you've got to be very, very lucky to um, get on a run, uh, you know, first or second attempt. 
Mm. Um, it's rare. It's very rare. And it's even more rare to be one of the like unicorns out of that run, you know? So that's like people see the successes of these people around us that are kind of celebrated and they go, oh, that, you know, that's doable. That's easy. My chance, I've got a really good chance that that's really hard. It is really hard to do. I mean, you know, work your bum off and give yourself the best opportunity. But the difference between being mildly successful and wildly successful is a lot, um, a lot of luck involved. I love the way you said that. The difference between being mildly successful and wildly successful, there's a lot of luck involved. I could not agree more. Um, mate, I want to talk to you, during that period, I want to talk about shame because one of the things that happened with me was particularly because uh, my success had been relatively public and you're on all of the lists and... and, and, and from Worst thing in the world to ever be on those lists. Worst thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. If I speak for myself, my identity was so tied up in the image yeah. um, that having the business threatened and everything else that comes with that um uh the 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 shame that i would feel inside would fucking tear me apart mm-hmm. how did you go with shame was that a big um factor for you uh, yeah it, yeah it was i think uh particularly um yeah through that period because i, I was also a bit younger i think i think there's one of these things and i and i try and kind of um uh, make sure and communicate these things to my team too when I can or when it's, you know, the one-on-one um, kind of coaching or mentoring. It's like uh, the the reality is like we are, we are, we are always going to face these huge challenges, uh, but what you have to do to get through them um, makes you a far stronger person. It's like, you know, that whole kind of circle is like um, it's always outside the circle and as, as you achieve those and do those things that are necessary, your circle expands. And um, the things that would have killed me 10 years ago um, are water off a duck's back now. And so I think that's, it's just one of those things you, as you face more, you get better at dealing with it. And um, I see people with such anxiety over such little things um, and I completely understand it because I was there, but there's nothing that prepares you for it than actually going through it. You know, like it's, you just have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it. You have to go through it to actually experience it. Um, and you know, there's, you've, there's, um, there's a real ability to deal with things that comes from experience and it's 100%. the only way to do experience is experience it. I think a huge component of that, one of the things that I learned, and, and it was a grueling learning process, probably from 2016 to probably 2018, was, was learning to practice non-attachment. I had so many attachments uh, to, to the business going exactly the way that I wanted to and, 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 and to the brand going exactly the way I wanted it to and, and, and to upholding a certain image and all of that sort of stuff. Um, whereas in... You know, if we take this current crisis, for example, you know, I've got three texts from my team this morning saying, I haven't seen you so energized in a long time. You seem so positive because, because you, it's exactly what you're saying. It's the periods of our greatest challenge are the periods of our greatest growth and it's where we develop the capabilities and the characteristics that were previously undeveloped. And that prepares us for future challenge, right? Moving through challenge is a skill. And I see so much of what's going on at the moment this is a global lesson in uncertainty. This is a global lesson in how to navigate challenge, right? Um, which is another reason I'm so excited to have these conversations with people like you because I think, it's a, I think it's, it's a conversation that more people will be having as a result of what's going on around the world right now. Yeah, it's completely changed. It's completely changed the landscape. And people, are, you know, one of, the, one of the interesting things around this is it's giving, it's forcing businesses and people into a couple of things. One, facing some very scary fears, but two, um, <clears throat> working from home. Well, yeah. like, this is, this is big. You know, we've been talking about this for a long, long time. We talk about freedom and ability to be able to do this. The reality is my team is getting more done now yep. than they get done in the office and they are scattered all over the country, uh, mostly in Melbourne, but all over the country. Um, and the way that they are coming together in this time is unbelievable. You know, I'm loving all my, all my, all my Zoom meetings. 
and the positivity and energy and drive that's coming in um, and the and the and I think that's almost um, a big part of that is the freedom to be able to work in a way without the pressures of having to be seen to be working in a particular way. Um, so they're getting the work done and they're doing a remarkably amazing job in their own way. And so it's kind of like fast forward this whole movement to working from anywhere in the world or working from home. So I'm super excited about it. I know a lot of business people are scared because they're like, what if my people don't work? And it's like, trust them to do it and, and yeah. deal with the issues if it comes, you know, yeah. it's like, let's, let's go, let's try it. And it's really, it's amazing. The, the response that we're getting, um, yeah. you know, our, our, our team of, uh, incredibly productive doing what we're doing at the moment. So I'm really kind of impressed and proud. hundred percent necessities of the mother innovation, right? And so it's incredible to see the gifts that come out of any adverse period. If we go back to your challenging time, you know, between 27 and 30, uh, and, and really hone in on that. I mean, people often ask me, what was the positive side of 2016 and 17? You know, what did you, what did you learn from it? What did you grow from it? And I'm like, where do I start? Like mm -hmm. I became more humble. I became more grounded. I was able to shed the inessential. I became a better son. I became a more caring person. I became a better CEO. I became a better manager, a better leader, a better entrepreneur. I became wiser, particularly around financial management. Uh, develop capability around risk management. Like I could literally, and I might do this one weekend, I could, there, there would be thousands of lessons. What are the core gifts as you kind of sit here in, in, in your position today with all of the, the success that you uh, rightfully created over the last period of your life? What do you think the greatest gifts were for you from that period of your late 20s and, and the adversity? Uh, I think probably uh, the. My, I'm about to lose my bloody earphones. Hold on a second. Right. Hey, Ash, do you have other earphones I can use? Sorry. Sorry <laughs> You're sitting in the background looking after my uh, daughter. I'm like, uh oh, I'm about to. Say hello to her for me. Yeah, uh, Jack says hello. Hi, Jack. Hey, yeah. Asha. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got the Apple ones. Um, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll let her look for those as it's running Take out quickly. Time, yeah, rock and roll. Um, but the uh, so lessons would have been uh, yeah, yeah, yeah gifts, yeah. gifts. Sorry, gifts, lessons, gifts would have been. Um, look, I think the um, the understanding and the realization that I needed to um, I needed to understand how my mind worked. And kind of get on top of that in terms of like going, what, how, what, when do I get anxious? When do I um, spiral? Um, how do I get out of it? How do I not attach myself to those thoughts? Meditation became a really big thing. Um, and, and meditation was the greatest lesson I got out of meditating, you know, apart from the fact that it helped me separate my days in terms of like work time, home time. I could come home, meditate, get into a really cool space. And then I'd be a much different, a much different experience with, um, with Ash, you know, say when I got home, but the, what the, what it also did was when I meditate, the thing is, the challenge is you, you don't attach to the thoughts as they're coming through. So you're letting them slide on by. So the ability to not grab hold of and go down that path with meditation can be brought back into so many things in your life. Um, so when everything's coming at you a million miles an hour and there's problems and issues and fires to, to sit there and be able to let them slide on past and go, I'm, I'm not going to grab hold of that and I'm not going to go into the depths of anxiety that can be built around those things. That was really powerful. Um, I guess on the, on, on the, another thing it did is made me realize how important um, family was as well to me. So um, actually Ash has just got the earphones. This is a beautiful thing. I, give me 30 seconds. Sure? No, okay. give me, give me three seconds. <laughs> Insta, let us know in the comments below. Uh, what questions do you guys have for Justin? I can I'm see back. coming up on the screen. So let's know any questions, guys. We'll move to them in a sec. Yeah, I'm back. Thank you, Ash. Um, the, yes, you're welcome. <laughs> we heard it. <laughs> yeah, you heard it. Yeah, <laughs> the Queen. Um, yeah. Uh, what was I say? The and so probably the second thing that I touched on before was family. 
you know, um, I, I didn't, what I didn't say through that period uh, was um, not only did I go through all those things, but one of the other things that was contributing to the challenges I was having at that time was my mum got sick with cancer. And so, yeah, so like on top of all those other things, <laughs> um, she got sick with cancer. Yeah, and so that was awful. I had to go through chemo and, and she's happy and alive and that's amazing. But just all of that, and then like getting, removing all the unnecessary stuff and starting again and getting my head right um, and realizing that how important the people I care about, uh, care about are to me um, and uh, placing far more focus on those things um, was one of the great kind of um, lessons I got out of that mm. part of my life. Mm. One of my favorite quotes from JK Rowling is uh, rock bottom became the solid foundation upon which I built my life. That's a great uh, quote. Yeah. So, so true so for me as well. Mate, um, you're somebody that's been so actively engaged in personal and spiritual development forever. You know, you've touched on some of the rituals and even, you know, practicing non-attachment thinking that you mentioned a moment ago. What are some of the rituals you maintain today um, to help you remain centred and grounded through both the highs, where it's important to remain centred and grounded, and, all, and also the lows? Uh, uh, meditation is obviously there. Uh, it's I do. I wish I was like a yogi-style, kind of Buddhist monk-style meditator, but I'm a super quick one. So, like, I'm like right. five minutes, you know, right. just to kind of get grounded. Uh, but I try and do that daily. Exercise is super important. I have um, statements up on my bathroom um, mirror, um, you know, which uh, talks about the type of person I want to become, um, the type of husband I want to be, the type of father I want to be, um, and a whole bunch of things around what's important um, and what isn't, you know, to be present and live in the now and experience that life that way. Uh, so I've got like, I guess, so the statements, I've got meditation, I've got a little bit of exercise. I do some breathing exercises when I'm going through more stressful periods and really simple stuff. There's like six exercises um, that you can do and, uh, you know, getting both right and left brain working together, um, but in a much more centered kind of calm way. Uh, so that um, would probably be the keys. I love going to the gym. Unfortunately, we can't go to the gym anymore. Um, mm. So I'm trying to t t try do things at home, which is a little bit different. Yeah. But um, I just love, I think the, the thing that I value so much now, because there's so much intensity in, in, in my life and business and, you know, new baby and is just those moments where you have like that little bit of time, you know, by yourself, to yourself, um, to just chill. Like I, I never would have thought that that was so important in my life, but um, those moments, whether that's just at the gym or whether that's meditating, um, they're really important to kind of ground me, um, you know, and you don't get those often. And Ash would probably agree that she would like way more of that herself. <laughs> 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 but I'm annoying like that. So, yeah. <laughs> Scarlet Shoe says experience. The number one thing you get the minute after you need it. So true. Problem with learning through trial and error is the lesson always comes after the mistake. Uh, good, good, good. Insta, let us know if you have any questions uh, for the great man JD and myself uh, that you would like us to touch on. Rosie Glow says, thank you for sharing your honest story. TWO57 says, thanks for doing this, guys. No worries, TW57. Nathan Rowe, director of Paramount Liquor, says, uh, Nathan Rowe, director of Paramount Liquor here, would love to help out with deliveries where possible in order to get some of our 250 people that were stood down this week back into work. 250 stood down. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, our deliveries are done through Australia Post. We, um, we the, the people that are actually um, working harder than anyone at the moment, our place is um, our warehouse team, just keeping up with everyone. So we've been, um, we've been adding casual labor to that mm. at the moment um but so yeah reach out and we'll see but um mm. the delivery side is covered mm -hmm. curtis dean harrier says how much of your ability to get through that was pure belief in connection with your vision versus action interesting question here jd like 
how, how do you uh, reconcile and resolve? Because I know this is something I was trying to sort of build a mental model and an understanding around for a few years, you know, a few years back. Um, how, how, how do you resolve sort of inner game and ensuring that you're grounded and centred and uh, you maintaining belief with outer game and taking the right and intelligent action? Uh, I, I think it's, for me, it starts with, I need to know where I'm going first. Um, but I, I, I'm, a, I'm one of those people that just loves to do the whiteboard sessions and I can dream a little bit too long. Um, so a big part of my kind of uh, learnings have been that um, do it, dream it, work it out, play it in your time frames, step by step, bring it back um, and then get it done. And so I, you know, action, like progress over perfection, get it done is so key. But I actually do think it starts first and foremost with where do I want to go? When do I want to get there? And how am I going to get there? That's like step one. And then the action is absolutely important. So, I, you know, running a million miles an hour in the wrong direction gets you nowhere. You know, it's like you've got to be running in the right direction. So you've got to work out what that direction is first. Um, just don't just don't sit and dream all day because mm. us, us, us entrepreneurial thinkers have a tendency yeah. to do that. Do a lot of that. <laughs> 100%. Cushy Kids says, keep up the great work. We all need wine right now. Need being capitals. Capital. I was yes, I, I, I hear you. <laughs> I, was I hear you. Ash was trying to... Sorry, mate. You go. I was saying, I was talking to my membership group earlier on a Facebook Live, our entourage members, and I was saying just the importance of, you know, trying try not to get into, you know, the habit of too much emotional eating and emotional drinking during this time. And, uh, and then later on, I said, guys, having a glass of wine or two is okay. And I got bombarded with, with comments going, oh, thank God. Thank God. We thought we were saying not to do this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, uh, Ash was making lunch before um, and, uh, and she was um, trying to suggest that we open a bottle of wine now. I'm like, mm. <laughs> but I'll probably will. Let's be honest. Good Let's strategy. be honest. Great yeah. strategy. Um, Oliver Shimon is asking a great question. It kind of comes back to something you were saying a moment ago, JD. Do you two see COVID-19 as a catalyst for change regarding flexible working? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I think it's going to accelerate it. At, at, at like, it's one of those things that you could never have predicted. I mean, although uh, Bill Gates had a great talk about what was coming in terms of pandemics, which is amazing, mm. uh, which, I, which I saw again the other day. I saw it back then and I was like, yeah, it's interesting. And I saw it recently. I was like, wow, spot on. But um, no, I think this is one of those moments. It's a huge moment. And it, I think it's going to change a lot of things. Um, who, you know, where the economy ends up is anyone's guess right now, but it's not going to be good and it's not going to be short term, um, obviously. So that's going to that's going to create some challenges, but also some opportunities. I was, this is one of the things I was saying to my ELT, to my um, executives this morning. And I was like, um, when I, before the meeting, I was trying to kind of get out of my normal way of thinking. Because in this kind of environment, you're like, if your business is surging, you're like, what are the opportunities within the surge to kind of make the most of this in that moment? Mm. If, then, if it's going the other way, you're like, what are the things I can do to pivot, change, whatever in my business to survive um, or to thrive in another way? And so then I was, but then I was seeing that, I was like, you have to, this is one of those moments also that you have to start thinking completely different. There is a bunch of opportunities that are going to pop up in this moment, in the next kind of six months, 12 months, two years that are going to blow the world away, you know, and if you can get outside of your normal frame um, and think about that and that's whiteboard sessions and that's going, all right, if I didn't think, the way I was thinking, if I didn't think about it in terms of the business I'm in or I didn't think about it in my own kind of environment and the people I know in my networks, what does this present itself in terms of opportunities? Um, and I think that's a really interesting thing to, to play around with because, you know, if you talk about the companies that came out of the last recession, mm. pretty impressive bunch. Um, and so I think this is big. This is a huge shift. Uh, and, you know, the obvious ones are the work from home, remote working, of course. But there's a bunch of others that we're not thinking about. Someone is, but we're not thinking about right now that we could. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to the opportunity to sit in front of a whiteboard and waste a few days. Absolutely. Love. I love how you put that. If I didn't think the way I habitually think, what would I be thinking? Right? If I was to get outside of the usual parameters in which I explore myself and the world, 
what would I be thinking that I'm not yet thinking? That's, uh, that is absolutely genius and, and, and such a beautiful way to self-reflect. JD, mate, you are an absolute legend. We appreciate uh, you coming on for our first uh, episode of the Entrepreneurs Recession Response Program. Um, yeah, you, you, you're somebody that's navigated challenge. You're somebody that's navigated success, which does require navigation, no different to, to challenge in and of itself. Um, and uh, to see you building a successful business, building a beautiful, successful family uh, is, is, is a light and an inspiration that I'm sure a lot of people will be drawing inspiration from right now. So, mate, thank you so much for coming on board. Thanks for having me again, mate. It's uh, been good catching up. We've got to do it in real life soon when we can. 100%. 100%. And uh, we will be cracking a bottle of wine for that meeting. I can guarantee our viewers of that. I've got the, <laughs> the wine fridge is just there. Um, that's, that's twice the size of mine. <laughs> the wine fridge is just there and it's got plenty of Barolo and Barbaresco in it waiting for oh, us. You know the way to my heart. He's talking Barolo. Oh, amazing. Now, uh, team, this is episode one. We will be coming back with another episode of the Entrepreneur's Recession Response Program later this week. We're going to be talking to other individuals like Justin Dry, some of the best entrepreneurs in the world, honing in on the challenges they've faced, how they've navigated these periods, and how they have come out on top, the gifts and the lessons they've learned along the journey. This is to shine a light for you guys uh, during a period where the world needs exactly that. So stay tuned. This is an ongoing conversation. JD, you're an absolute legend, brother. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning into today's podcast. I'm Jack Delosa. If you enjoyed listening, make sure you hit subscribe and you'll be the first in line to get every new episode sent directly to your phone. While you're at it, open Instagram and connect with me. My handle is simply at Jack Delosa, D-E-L-O-S-A. This is where you'll find me every day sharing the secrets of scaling multi-million dollar businesses and giving you a behind-the-scenes look at what it really takes to build a life that you love. You can also find me on all the usual places, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Just search Jack DeLosa. Thanks again for listening, and as always, dream out loud. That's a wrap. Yeah.